For students of Bible prophecy, the events we are witnessing unfold are what has been expected for many years. Welcome to another edition of the Bible in the News. This is John Billington with you. After World War II, the European nations were aligned in an east-west configuration with the Berlin Wall down the middle. West Germany, France, Britain, Canada, and the United States held the power in the west, with the eastern European countries and Russia obviously holding power in the east. As far as the Middle East was concerned, the Arab nations all considered Israel a hostile enemy. And Saudi Arabia may have been hostile to Russia and friendly with America, but it resisted any idea of peace with Israel. Although there was changes here and there, this persistent alliance made many to reconsider many of the prophecies and wonder if they had got it wrong. Even still today, NATO is a fully functioning alliance. However, cracks are showing and nations are now considering their long-held positions. To start with, I think it's worth reading the words of uh, Graham Pierce from the 1977 Milestones on page 32 under the heading, Two Mountains of Brass. He writes, According to the last part of Daniel chapter 11, there will exist when Christ returns two hostile powers north and south of the land, repeating the kind of situation outlined in such detail in the early part of the chapter. The idea of a north and a south power is not limited to Daniel chapter 11. He writes, It is even more clearly expressed in Zechariah chapter 6. In this chapter, the four chariots go forth from standing before the Lord of all the earth to walk to and fro through the earth. The man whose name is the branch becomes king and priest. The temple is built. Clearly, it is the time of the setting up of the kingdom. And the phrase of importance is that the four chariots go forth from between the two mountains of brass. This conveys the idea of two mountain powers north and south of Jerusalem. In Ezekiel chapter 38, too, there is a power that challenges the northern invader. Art thou come to take a spoil? So, we should be looking today for the movements that will provide two mountain powers antagonistic to each other established north and south of the land. That's the end of the quote. Graham Pierce was nothing short of excited about the developments of the uh, with the southern power, but as far as peace with Israel it still seemed a long way off. In fact, Graham believed that it was possible uh, for the temporary peace that we see in Ezekiel chapter 38, the, for it to develop after the return of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, listen to the, uh, the quote. I'll read you the quote. Uh, same book, um, page uh, 44. He writes, The excitement of seeing many forward moves relative to the king of the south is somewhat dampened when we uh, turn to Israel. There is little in the sight in sight that points to that strange peace in the land before the great confederacy comes down from the north to take a spoil. Israel is to, quote, dwell safely all of them. They're described as, quote, ha um, them that are at rest and dwell safely all of them, dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates. In that day, when my people dwell safely, shalt thou not know it? As proposed in the booklet, Russia, the Vatican, and the, in the Invasion of Israel, this remarkable state of things probably follows on after the resurrection, and the hidden, unrecognized power of Christ as a major influence in this region. 
Nevertheless, we do look for signs that point in the direction of peace in this area, and they are not altogether absent. So 30 years ago, in 1977, Graham Pierce could see movements that indicated this north and south divide in the nations was starting to show. However, there was only slight movement as far as Israel's peace was concerned. The peace today, or sorry, the picture today, is far more developed, and there are many signs that this reasoning from Scripture was certainly sound. Interesting that... Um, all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle are actually coming to place at the same time. And even the events of the last few weeks have been significant. We will first note the crisis in Qatar. Qatar has for some time faced criticism from its Arab neighbors after it supported the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt in, it was about 2014. And it has been increasingly cozying up to Iran. Whether it's working in coordination with America or not, the Gulf Cooperation Council, the GCC as it's called, has come out and blasted Qatar for funding terrorism, and interestingly, they include Hamas in that. Not only has the GCC blasted Qatar verbally, but they've also shut down air, land, and sea traffic between Qatar, Bahrain, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. This has left Qatar scrambling for its fresh food and other supplies uh, that it would normally get from Saudi Arabia and the other neighboring uh, nations. In fact, it, is pro it has uh, produced what is being called the largest bovine airlift in history as Qatar airlifted thousands of cows in order to get fresh milk. However, more interestingly prophetically than a bovine airlift is the airlift of Iranian and Turkish forces into Qatar to ensure there is no late-night coup putting Saudi Arabia and the southern Arab powers into a very public conflict with Iran and Turkey. Out of the Qatar crisis, interestingly, Israel seems to be the one greatly benefiting. To start with, the GCC is calling for Qatar to stop funding Hamas and other terror organizations, which is a huge step, but it does not stop there. In Saudi Arabia and in Egypt, um, there are no fans at all of the Al Jazeera news network, which is actually ran out of Qatar. And it so happens that the Al, uh, Al Jazeera is hugely biased against Israel. In fact, this crisis with Qatar has now brought about the language openly in the news of the Saudi-Israeli Entente. The following quote is from the Huffington Post. By backing Saudi Arabia's vision of the Middle East and boosting the Saudi-Israeli Entente against Iran, President Trump has sparked a geopolitical earthquake in the region, especially within the Saudi-led Gulf Cooperation Council, the GCC, as we referred to it. Saudi Arabia, it carries on, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, uh, and Egypt cut ties, attempting to isolate tiny but influential Qatar, accusing of it of sponsoring terrorism. At the same time, the de facto Saudi-Israeli Axis labels Iran an immediate existential threat, drawing their American ally back into the Middle East. It does seem to be awkward for America, as it has a huge military base in Qatar, but either way, for Israel, it will be very welcome news. And for Bible prophecy, we have been waiting a long time for these alliances to develop. In fact, Graham Pierce wondered, as we read, if, it would even, uh, if we would even see it prior to uh, Christ's return. Well, 
we are seeing it, and a common enemy such as Iran seems to be doing the trick. Events may cool down again, but I think it's clear which way we're going. Add to the events surrounding Qatar is the news regarding the Prime Minister of India's scheduled visit to Israel. The Jerusalem Post is reporting the following. It, uh, it reads, It is a ritual followed by nearly all presidents, prime ministers, and foreign ministers who visit Israel, come to the country for 24, 48, or 72 hours, spend most of their time in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, but make sure to stop by Ramallah or Bethlehem for a few hours for a couple of meetings with the Palestinian Authority officials. In this way, the visit can be billed at home and abroad, not as a visit to Israel, but rather to Israel-Palestine. However, the article continues that, quote, Indian Prime Minister uh, Narendra Modi, who will be the first serving Indian Prime Minister to visit Israel when he comes here in the first week of July to mark 25 years of the establishment of diplomatic ties, is set to break the mold. Unless there are last-minute changes, Modi is coming to Israel, period. And with this act, he will send a strong message to his own people, to Arabs and to Israelis, that he is, as the Indians themselves like to describe it, removing the hyphen from the country's ties with Israel. Modi will underscore that this move, that uh, this move, that Israel's ties with Israel, uh, ties with Israel, stand on their own, and are independent of Israel's reactions, sorry, relations with the PA or the pace of the diplomatic process. And for Israel, this is huge, something it wishes the European Union would emulate. In stark contrast with India, the EU as a body and a number of uh, its individual states as component parts have linked their pace of development of ties with Israel to the settlement issue or the diplomatic process. Modi's visit is an indication that the Indians are having none of that. And that's the uh, end of the quote. And this is interesting prophetically as India, once a British colony, is also considered the Eastern Tarshish. Uh, John Thomas speaks about this, as does Graham in other places. And it's uh, taken from the verse in 1 Kings 10, verse 21 to 22, that reads, Once in three years came the navy of Tarshish, bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Obviously, Tarshish, when you understand it as Britain, you uh, are not going to be getting gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. And so it's called the Eastern Tarshish um, that's mentioned there in 1 Kings. And today, uh, we see that as India. While not only are events in the southern powers um, or with the southern powers taking shape, so too in the north. Since Trump took office, the relationship between America and the Europeans has continued to cool off. We had the French election of Macron, who has been openly critical of Donald Trump, as well as uh, the American withdrawal from the Paris Climate Agreements, uh, which sent them all into a complete tailspin. Uh, add to all of that, just this week in America, the Senate voted to bring more sanctions down on Russia. And I actually thought, you know, that might not be what Trump wanted if he wanted to try and, uh, you know, heal the relationship between Russia and the U.S. But I didn't realize there would be such a reaction uh, from Europe. And in particular, it's the reaction from Germany. Uh, and the following is quoted from the BBC. It reads, Germany and Austria have sharply criticized the U.S. Senate for tightening sanctions on Russia, 
accusing the U.S. of threatening Europe's energy supplies. In a joint statement, German Foreign Minister Sigmar Gabriel and Austrian Chancellor Christian Kern said Europe's energy supplies were a, quote, matter for Europe, not for the United States. Well, that's Europe uh, and, the, and America. But as for Britain, although it's in complete turmoil currently, Brexit will, one way or another, go ahead, leaving Europe without the British influence or protection. A Europe distanced from America and Britain will no doubt look for protection elsewhere, and it's the prophecy of Ezekiel 38 that tells us where that protection will come from. Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, or in today's nations, Russia. With the nations aligning along the prophetical lines, it means only one thing. We're near to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has been directing all these events from the right hand of Almighty God. And I'll say too, when we sit here in 2017, the sixth vial of Revelation has been pouring out since 1820. And that is a long time for the vial to be pouring out. But as we look at these events coming together, it truly signals the end of the sixth vial. So, come back again next week as we continue to discuss the Bible in the News at BibleInTheNews.com. <music>